You know, children's books are great ways for people to learn how to be good to each other in the world. There's all types of wonderful lessons about caring, filling up each other's buckets, loving each other, and doing good deeds. Today's guest is Wendy Gilhula. Wendy is a children's book author, specifically of the Pika Bunny series, and she's also created the Pika Bunny app, which is an amazing app, and I highly recommend it not only for young children, but also for adults and teaching them how to be kind, how to fill other people's buckets, and just do really positive things. I think you'll see today in our conversation that we extended that in talking very in-depth about kindness and love and generosity and caring for others. So ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome with me, Wendy Gilhula. We're, now we're cooking. It's all good. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I did with my earbuds and I hope this is good. All right. My day has been crazy. Just like this, dearie. Just like this, I huh? Organize, what? I do everything I can, and some days are just like this. That's but okay. I'm happy to talk to you today. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm happy to talk to you too. It's, uh, I've been telling a lot of people about this community that we're a part of, Spot a Guest, and how I'm meeting so many great people through there. Yes, absolutely. Plus, plus we're connected on LinkedIn. We are connected on LinkedIn, which is where I do most of my work with people and chat and learning about them. Mm hmm. So it was funny, Wendy, is as uh, soon as we talked the last time, I downloaded that Pika Bunny app, and my daughter loves it. She absolutely loves oh, it. So. Okay. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. Yes, it's pretty cool. I would love to, for you to talk a little bit about kind of the genesis of that and like where that came from for you. Okay. Right, right now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So... All right, so I love kindness, and, you know, the t-shirts, be kind, and you know what happened is I was actually on a Skype call with video on, in a classroom, and I was talking about kindness, and I was reading Pika Bunny has a big question, and a boy was wearing be kind, it's cool on his t-shirt, but he was actually, he didn't realize I could see what he was doing. And he was actually being mean to somebody. Oh. Um, teasing them in a kind of mean way. Um, he thought he was being secretive, but he didn't really realize I could see it. And I thought to myself, and I'm, and I'm asking myself the same question. Like, we say be kind, but how often are we really kind? Like, is there a way to track that? Can kids track that? Can adults track that? And what would my feedback be if I was actually writing down all, all my random acts of kindness? And that's how it was born. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I, my daughter really likes it. She really likes getting the points for you know, like the environment and at home and at school. And I think it's, it's so easy to use, you know. Well, the feedback is great because... Sometimes we don't think about, well, I was kind of my, my pet. I did, I did brush my dog today, or I did recycle three times. And then you realize, well, maybe I wasn't. And then you see where your points are adding and you're like, well, maybe I wasn't so as kind at school as I could have been. Like maybe I, there were more ways I can be kind at school, or maybe you're being more kind at school than you are to your planet. So it's, it really gives you real time feedback. And it does make you feel good when you do something kind. Is that what she likes about it? Yeah, I think she really enjoys. She'll go, oh, you know what? I got to do this today because it says on the Pika Bunny app, here's a couple things to do. And she's like, oh, I did this at school today. And I got to make sure I remind to like push the little heart thing on the Pika Bunny app, you know. And I've got, I, in, in beta testing, I've gotten a lot of feedback that there aren't any rewards. And I think to myself, well, being kind, a kind person is its own reward. Yeah. And, you know, it shouldn't always be about getting a star. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that whole reward thing is interesting to me because I think I agree with that. Like, we, we always need some sort of 
we feel like we need a reward. Like, okay, I played this game, and what do I get out of it? Like, well, what about just doing it? And the reward of like feeling good about accomplishing something, you know? Right, right. So that's what I was going for with with the app. So I've had a lot of positive. How old is your daughter? May I ask? Without... She's eight. Year, she's eight years old. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect age. Yeah, she really well, likes it, and I think you know just the whole bunny thing and and doing good things for us. That's been a big part of her growing up is like filling other people's buckets and doing some nice things for people. So it was really in alignment with how she has been used to like different things in our lives, you know? Right. And if you, if you, you know, filling other people's buckets can fill your own bucket if you're doing it for the right reason, if you're doing it, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. sometimes when we, we fill somebody else's bucket, but it, it doesn't feel good to do it. It kind of takes out of our bucket. But if we if we do something nice for someone and it feels right, the right thing to do, then we're filling our own buckets too. Yeah. So what's your what is your history with kindness and your you know your motivations for really diving into you know this arena? Because you know there's a lot of people who talk about kindness, and I think the world is waking up to more of that and. Sometimes that's the pendulum swing with how things are for people. But what, what's your background with it? Well, yeah, I really didn't know it was um, when I started the this kindness journey. It was before I even knew there was a like I don't want to call it a fad, but like a trend. I didn't really know it was a trend. And why I got started is that I have been working with young people all my life. Started I started out as a dance choreographer and teacher and you know when you have your groups of 20 kids and you're trying to get them to do the same thing on the same count exactly the same you have to get to know in each individual person right and when you're learning people's stories you find out that their worlds sometimes lack a lot of kindness and they're just kids. Then after I was a dance choreographer, I became a math tutor and a mentor. So now I'm working one-on-one -on -one with mostly high school aged people. And they're sitting across my dining room table and they have my undivided attention for one hour. And of course, math is the priority, but I'm also a mentor and you just, yeah. You can sense when they walk in the door, if they've had a good day, if they've had a bad day, um, why kindness is important. Like I, I might be tired, I might be on my, you know, my fifth math hour in a row, but each person, you have to give them 100% of you at the time. And sometimes people just need a smile or some bit of kindness because they just didn't have very much that day. And my book, Pika Bunny Has a Big Question, is about Pika asked Mama what love is and what kindness is. And I actually wrote that manuscript 30 years, almost 30 years ago. I don't want to show my, tell my age. Wow. In my 50s, but <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's okay. <laughs> and I had this manuscript that back then I had to type it out or word. And, you know, you didn't have a computer. You actually typed it on the typewriter. I sent it to a publisher and it came back rejected. The publisher said that kindness was not relevant. Oh. Well, you have to remember this is a whole different time. 30, yeah. I don't know how old you are, but 30. Uh, 41. Okay, so you were 11, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and back then, people held doors for each other. Um, neighbors were over more or you knew more your neighbors. Um, whether you wanted to or not, some neighbors were nicer than others and times, times were different. Um, this is before, you know, I think nine 11 changed a lot of things, made people more scared and, um, not open. And, you know, I think kindness is always relevant, but you have to remember the time. So I, um, so I put that manuscript in my bottom drawer of my drawer them and started again. Hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, the whole thing like that kindness is not relevant. I don't know why I'm stuck on this whole thing. I get the time is different, 
but it was it's weird to me considering that like if it's a time when people were kinder to each other they were nicer to each other maybe it's just because some maybe the opposite if people are more scared and maybe not as kind maybe kindness becomes more relevant because it's not exhibited as much in society whereas maybe as it was just more commonplace back then it's not a relevant topic for a book kind of thing or yeah i think it was i think it was also taken for granted yeah that's what i mean you know yeah it was a different time where there there was different levels of respect that were you know demanded of and whether you wanted to give that person respect or not especially if you're a young person um that's back when if someone wanted to hug you or give you a kiss on the cheek and you didn't feel comfortable, you had to do it anyway. Most kids had to do it anyway. There were some parents who were, you know, early on saying you don't have to hug that person if you don't want to. But, yeah. most, you know, most people would would tell you as a child, you know, that's rude. You need to, you know, say, you know, give them a hug back or whatever. That's not necessarily kindness, but it's just more, it was just a different way. It was just a different time. Just like now, 20 years from now, people are 30 years, people are going to look back and say, well, how is that a thing? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody 11 years old right now is going to, in 30 years, will be probably thinking the same thing of things that, that maybe we take for granted or, or that we practice and they don't understand why. So you think that at this time, you know, things kind of happen in certain timing that maybe kindness has become such a relevant topic in today's society that it's something that more publishers or people are willing to put out there because they're like, no, there's a need for this. Well, absolutely, especially teachers in class in the classroom, uh, teachers respecting and being kind themselves and then respecting and being kind back to your classmates and to your teachers, very, very relevant, and especially with bullying. Because that's where my third book came in. My neighbor said to me, Wendy, you've got to write, Peekabunny's Bunny's got to, to do something about bullying. And I, I was like, how is Peekabunny? Bunny? I'm thinking, how am I going to write a book about bullying? That's such a huge topic. And it yeah. took two years. Um, it took me two years to write it. But there's so, I mean, there were things going on when, when I was in school and when you were in school. But now it just seems to be all the time you hear stories and all the time you're hearing these sad stories about these kids who you know are thinking about hurting themselves or are hurting themselves or doing detrimental things to their their health or their futures you know um it's it's a scary scary time and it's time to to talk to kids because when kids are getting bullied in school a lot of the schools use tattle versus telling. Have you heard of that? No. What is that? So if, if you or your daughter sees somebody bullying somebody and they go to the teacher and they say, I'm, I'm going to use my, um, my character's names. Brutus is being mean to Paisley. And the teacher says, do you want Brutus to get in trouble? Are you tattling or are you telling? And of course, a six-year-old or seven-year-old or eight-year-old is going to want Brutus to get in trouble because in their minds, they're thinking, well, Brutus just, I, I want Brutus to stop. Brutus needs to know that what he's doing is wrong. So the child usually says, yes, I want Brutus to get in trouble. And the teacher says, well, that's tattling. Hmm. And then where are you? And then you or the, your child feels embarrassed, um, feels sad because they couldn't help. They tried to help Paisley, but they couldn't. And Brutus is getting away with it. And now they're, you know, they tried to go to the teacher and now they're not heard. And it's, it doesn't happen um, in every school. It depends on the teacher. But these the definitions, there's definitely a disconnect between are you trying to get Brutus in trouble means two different things. It depends. I see. So what is the rise of bullying? What is the maybe the genesis? I mean, you know, kids have been bullied throughout, you know, the decades and yeah. many, many years. What has made it more prevalent in today's society? 
Well, I don't, I don't have um, data to back me up. This is just on my own experiences on what I've noticed. And I think we were talking about buckets earlier. Yep. And I think people don't have full buckets. And maybe there's not enough full buckets at home. And maybe somebody's getting bullied somewhere else and we don't, can't see it. And they're, they're acting out. I don't think people just wake up and say, I want to be mean to somebody today. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. I think it's just a reaction of, of having an empty bucket. I mean, some people probably do enjoy it. Like maybe they want to cause drama or something. But there's right. some, it's usually something in that bucket that needs to be in there that's not. Something that's lacking. And I think, uh, you know, times are hard now. Economics, um, what's going on politics, what's going on. Okay, Darian. Does your child ever talk to you about practicing for intrusions, school intrusions? Uh, no, but I've heard about other schools practicing for that. Okay, well, I, okay, so I have high school students and I have middle school students and I have a few elementary school students. One little girl came to me and she, I was like, I don't want to use her real name, but I was like, Susie, why, what's wrong today? Because, you know, you seem really sad. Is there something you want to talk about? And she said, no, everything's just been, or everything has been normal. I had a normal day today. And I said, well, all right, well, tell me a little bit about your day. And then she got to where they were practicing um, intruders, intruder alert. And I said, well, tell me about your intruder alert. How does that go? And she's in fifth grade. She goes, well, you know, I'm the smallest because she's really petite. She goes, I I'm the smallest in my class, so I have a job. And I said, well, what, what do you mean you have a job? And she said, well, the teacher locks the door. And my job is because I'm the smallest, I have to go to the window and put the blinds down. And if I don't put the blinds down, intruders can see in our classroom and somebody can get hurt. And then she started to cry. Oh, and I, my heart broke for her. I said, have you talked to your mom about this? Because I'm always about, you know, share with your parents. And she said, no. And I said, why? She goes, because that's just because it was normal to her like that. She thought she had she didn't have a choice. I said, you don't have to be the you don't have to be the one to go and put the blinds down. And, and if anybody got hurt because you couldn't put the blinds down, you know that wouldn't be your fault. She just started just to burst into tears. So this world that our kids are in is obviously different than the world I was in. How about you? Yeah, I think so. And just to clarify, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, obviously various school intrusions, but probably what a lot of people are going to think about when they hear this is school intrusions with like mass shootings and things of that nature. Yes, yes. Right. And that is a that is an environment that I did not grow up in. I mean, I grew up in various school systems all around the world. And I remember in Europe, when I was in school there, we did have like uh, b several bomb threats during school. Um, and we practiced that, but it was very rare. It was extremely rare. Um, Whereas it feels like in today's society that it's just become almost commonplace, which is really sad that to the point that they're practicing these uh, intrusions so much that it's, um, it seems like a scary thing, you know? Oh, it has to be a scary thing. My high school students tell me about when they, you know, I can always tell, I said, did you guys have a, an alert today or something? And they're like, how'd you know? I said, cause I know you, what, you know, my high school students in some of their schools, do you know what they have to do? They have to practice throwing their calculators at the intruder. Whoa. I'm like, then one classroom, I mean, some of it, I mean, yeah, they don't, they don't have any weapons, of course. And I mean, what do you do? But once one student told me that he's a, he was a football player, he's graduated since, but he said that he was told by his coach that all the football players should um, block between the intruder and the students because because they were so muscular, they could take the bullets better. What? Uh-huh. I know. This is what I'm saying. It's like kids are not coming home. 
telling their parents what's going on because they think this is what, you know, they are listening to what's going on at school. I said, oh my goodness. And I said, just wait. First of all, that's not your job. Now, if if in the, if if this ever happens, which is not probably not going to, you feel in the moment that you want to do that on your own, but you are not required to do that. You know that, don't you? And he said, but I don't want to let anybody down. I'm like, you're not going to let anybody down. This is, think about what's happening. What's happening is a horrible, horrific, traumatizing event. You don't have a special job except for to, to survive. You know, stay alive. Right. As you can. It's, you know, help people when you can and when you feel led to, but don't pre-plan that it's your job to, to take a bullet for somebody. This is ridiculous. So not all schools are doing this, but these are these are stories I'm hearing across the table where I am. And actually um, throughout the United States when I visit schools. It's amazing is that these topics incite larger discussions and kind of the geopolitical landscape with people, which are very hot button and touchy subjects with all people, you know? Right. And it's thinks that there's such large topics, but then they come down to the actual children involved in places. And now it's beyond schools, you know, it's big events where things are happening, these shootings and things of that nature. It's really, I'm not sure like what is happening, why this it's proliferating so much completely. You know, I'm also not seeing what's being done so much on a larger level to curb it either, either, you know. Right. And I don't want to sound like, um, you know, I don't really have an answer what school should do. I'm not trying to say I'm better or, or but I'm just saying that's not working. Yes. And even if you go to an airport or you go to a bus station or you get, you know, go in any public transit, it's always kind of in the back of your mind, especially when somebody is acting out on something that, yeah. you know, you always freeze. Like what, you know, I was getting ready to board a plane and somebody was upset that their flight was delayed again and he started screaming and wow. I, I had his back was to me and I remember looking up to the to the young man sitting across from me and because he could watch and looking at his eyes and his eyes were like what's going on what am I getting like he's like looking around for an exit strategy and yeah. I'm thinking I don't have an exit strategy it's ridiculous you know it's ridiculous that we're all so on on extra alert extra alert and it's because when we get i think it's because you know we turn the news on and what do we hear what do you hear yeah i man uh you can get me going down a rabbit hole here Sorry. <laughs> the, the peak of bunny rabbit hole right <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh, i think these are discussions i'm having with a lot of podcast guests family members colleagues friends you know it's um, there, you know, I think it's what happens is this is purely my opinion, but you know, a, a lot of what we see is obviously through media, whether it's media through your phone, your TV, and all that stuff. And I remember uh, media when media used to used to present information. The media in the past was informing. Yes, you would watch news and you would just get informed of what was going on. And you can make your own opinion. You make your own opinion. I always feel that's the job of the media and news is just just give me, inform me. Don't influence me. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I feel. I just got in this conversation with the past guests about informing versus influencing. So I think so much of media is very editorial based at this point. And you have media members who are now influencing the way people think they're telling you their personal opinion and driving it home versus just giving me the information and letting me think about it i think that's playing a large part in a lot of these things i i do too and, to, and to, if you wanted to climb out of this rabbit hole <laughs> yes back to where we started is that's why i'm trying to help kids realize how they can be kind and, you know, I can't fix anything, but I am trying to make parents and, and kids more aware of different ways that 
and you know offset these things that are going on and maybe even change them in the future because you know gen a gen z they're going to change things up for us and hopefully they're going to bring it to a more positive level and if you know um on TikTok, oh there's so many uplifting stories on TikTok. yeah you know how much do they love their grandparents and um, kind things they do for their teachers uh, i'll chip in and buy something for their teacher that their teacher needs or there's so many, many good things that um, Generation Z have not been acknowledged for because a lot of older people haven't seen that because, you know, they just aren't in the places to see it. What do you think the biggest differences are between, you know, the Generation Z and millennials at this point from your observational point of view here? Yeah. Well, what's different? I know they. Sh I feel like they share. Um, they care about the environment, and they ca they care. They have a caring. Um, Generation Z, they like, they like um, have a shorter. I don't want to say attention span, but when they absorb information, they want it to be um, intent, not intense, but they want it to have, be more quality over quantity in a shorter period of time. Mm -hmm. And I find that generation A, the, um, you know, the younger, younger kids, they are. What would that be? What's that age range? Because I haven't even heard that term, generation A. Generation, I've, generation A is more like kindergartners and younger. Okay. Um, that's the, it's beginnings of um, the definition of, of Gen A. But they are all about experiencing by touching. And of course, kids, you know, always love to touch things, but this generation far more than any other. I don't know if it's because of touch screens or lack of tactile stimulation, maybe because mo many of their games are on online or on a tablet. Um, and they they love toys. Of course, they love toys, but they love to touch. The toys have to be tactile. Have you seen? Uh, so, could you have an eight-year-old daughter? You know what I'm talking about—the Christmas toys. You know, you, how many of them were sparkly, and they—they they had it was engaging to touch the sequins. Have you ever seen the toys where the sequins where you brush the sequins back and forth, very tactile? No, uh, no I haven't seen. Okay, that. well, you'll see them now. So now that I've said that, and you mm -hmm. into a store, you'll see that a lot of the toys are tactile, and. Um, interactive because kids want to touch and be interactive with things and even when i come to read um i've been visiting schools for a long time as a volunteer but more people just want to touch like my ankle like they just want to reach out and just touch my shoe and i've had that before but not not like not like this it's absolutely amazing how much they just when i'm coming to read they just want just just want to give just want to have that tactile feel. I've seen that. I've actually, you made me think about a bunch of stuff related to that. I've definitely seen that. I think I've also seen, I've talked to a couple of my clients of kids about this. I'm not sure where you stand on this, but in many ways, I feel that the kids, my daughter's age, maybe a little bit younger, they have some weird kind of prescience about them. Um, almost this very kind of ethereal nature to them that I don't believe that I had when I was growing up or the other kids that I knew. Almost this more connected spiritual sense at a very young age to things bigger than themselves. I have seen that, like the sense of feeling, the sense mm -hmm. of um, not so much the tactile, but just like the feeling of like they're, they're, they're in their feelings, understanding how other people's emotions are being uh, portrayed. My daughter's famous for this. She'll, you know, she'll look at me. She's like, oh, well, I think you're sad because this caused this and it's causing you to feel this way. And I'm like, uh, wow. what, what, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, and I, and I know a bunch of kids who do that. And I'm like, I don't think kids did that when I was that age, you know? Well, I don't think so either. And you know, there are a lot of kids books now that talk about feelings and they talk about reasons. And they talk about things that they can't control. And I think kids are more, um, they're more exposed to that, that line of thinking. And then of course, intuitively, they're going to pick it up. Yeah. I think they're more like, I, I was talking to some parents about this and they were all saying like, 
the kind of the intuitive um, ethereal child kind of there's seeing a lot more of that was just very like almost matter of fact almost precog type of thing really weird stuff like you know <laughs> it's agree. like I um I'm not gonna are you from this planet uh I know. Okay, listen, I got a story. So uh, just to match this. So I'm reading in a Barnes and Noble and I'm, I'm talking about different ways to be kind, like the app. I'm saying, how can we be kind at home? Yeah. And talking to parents about the free app. How can we uh, be kind? So I get to, how can we be kind to the planet? And there is a little boy and he's, he's wearing diapers still. He's probably a, a year and a half, maybe. And, you know, he's looking at me with big eyes and I could tell he wanted, you know, he wanted to be a part. So I was like trying to help him be a part. And so I said, okay, how can you be part of, like, how can you be, um, help the planet? And I, I was, if he didn't want to answer, it didn't matter. I was going to, you know, of course, take whatever he had to say. And he, you could tell he was trying to formulate his words. And I was like, I wasn't sure. So I'm like, I'm just waiting. And then out pops, we can water the seeds because then they can grow to plants. And I almost fell off my chair. I'm like, how, how, you know, not only did he understand it, he could articulate it. And I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, this kid's still in diapers and he's already got it. He under, he gets it. He understands it. See, that's what I mean. Like I, that's, that doesn't feel normal to me. That doesn't, that seems really out there. You know, there's things like I hear that and I hear things some other kids I've I've met or what my daughter says. And I feel like there's 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 some level of awakening with these children that are it's just very different than when I was that age. That's just I never said things like that. You know, nobody around me said things like that or talked about emotions like that when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, whatever. You know, it's just I don't know if it's a sign of the times and stuff, but there's in many ways it feels like more evolved emotionally, emotional children. I don't know why. It's just something I've noticed, and I think it's just real strange. <laughs> you know. Well, it, it is strange, but it's kind of good because I know some people. It is good. Year olds who who don't who lash out and don't know why, and maybe they'll never know. And I'm not saying I know what, what my feelings are all the time either, but um, to to. Oh, to start with that young, I mean, where can they go from there? It's awesome. Well, that's what I mean. Like, a lot of adults are not very good at expressing their feelings, you know. And I get it, like, kind of different eras. Like, if you grew up in 50s, 60s, and things like nature, and you had parents who never told you they loved you, or, you know, you had a male figure who was never really emotional with you. I get kind of the offspring of that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But this is a level that's almost, it's just weird to say, like, it's, it feels very spiritual in the universal aspect, very, very deep Confucius aspect of it. I'm like, where are these kids coming from? I don't know. It's a blessing though because we definitely need it we do need it we we, we got to start talking to each other we got to start having honest conversations and we got to be okay with talking about our emotions right and we have to be okay with if somebody has a different opinion to at least like listening to you, you should at least listen to them and you can debate your own side but you know you got you can't just it's these walls that people are putting up cannot cannot go up as they do I mean, a bear, you know, you have to have boundaries sometimes. I'm not talking about that, but yeah, just, yes, this awakening. Well, it's yeah, almost it's too, so like, I got into a conversation with um, uh, a guy I just taped an episode with about, you know, when you're trying to be right all the time versus just listening to people, you know, trying to like, that's when people get angry is when you're trying to disprove them all the time and trying to make sure that your side is the right thing versus just listening and hearing. And you may disagree, but you can still be kind in that whole deal. Oh, yes, you, you can be kind. And if you listen, 
you might not um, agree with 100%, but what if you agree with 2% that and you didn't realize, right. oh, wow, that's something I could, I do like that. Maybe I can add that to my, you know, if you just listen, you can learn, at least learn something. You might not agree with 98%, but you, you'll learn something if you listen. And you'll hungry. definitely learn something. Yeah. And I don't know. I've never heard of somebody say, you know what's bad? Love, kindness, caring. <laughs> I've never heard anybody like that was really angry and stuff be like, I hate when people are just so kind and caring and, and wonderful. Like, that's well, just not, I mean, maybe have somebody says it, but they, they don't really like you realize how foolish that sounds, you well, know, to say. A good example of that is not a real person, but the Grinch. That's how he started. Yeah. And then look what happened to him. He carved the roast beast himself. <laughs> His heart grew three sizes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he joined the party. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just so much. The negativity just empties that bucket. And then, then your buck is dry. And then, what do you have? Oh, I think like you're talking about that guy who, at the airport, who was yelling and lashing out. I mean, I'd be willing to bet something else was going on. You know, this. Well, yeah, absolutely. Like maybe he missed his flight, but he was on the way to a funeral, or right. He was going to miss his granddaughter's graduation, or. You know, or he just was missing his family. You know, there's always a reason why. Yeah. There's always a reason why. And we can't see it, but, you know, yelling at the airport does scare people. <laughs> and it does scare people. It scare everybody around him. I'm sure that wasn't his intention. I think I'll scare everyone. I think that the people, like, they get in situations and, like, it's deferred anger. It's an anger based off of something else. It's a chain reaction. And then, and then it's a lack of impulse control at that point. And, you know, I think it's, if you're ever in an airport, it's a weird experiment. It's a weird science experiment, the airport and people running through the airport complaining or just, you know, whatever it is, or watching like how they like load the plane, getting off of the plane, being on the plane, serving food, because you got all these different people who don't know each other and a long-term situation during that day, you know? Right. It's strange. It's a very strange soup that we're in on in airports, you know? Yeah, like you want, I usually, I mean, I don't mind talking to somebody next to me, but I'd rather have, if it's a small plane, I'd rather have the single seat on the side. Uh -huh. Everybody would rather have that. My daughter took a flight yesterday and she was supposed to have a single seat and there was a lady in her seat and she said, excuse me, you're in, uh, she was texting me before the plane took off. And she said, I just had to ask a lady that to tell her that this was my seat. And she got really mad and I got embarrassed. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. And I said, well, I, she said, everybody was staring at me. And I said, honey, I think they were probably staring at the lady who was, yeah. you know, fuss about it. And I said, you were one of the last aboard. So maybe that lady had already gotten her seat and then gotten your seat. If you don't know the story, you know, you don't know if, you know, everybody's watching that lady get busted for say, taking your seat and they knew it wasn't her seat or, you know, you don't know the story. And it's not, it's not really about you. It's a, you know, her reaction isn't about you. So you can't take it personally, but it's hard. It's very stressful. It is very stressful. More than likely she, you know, the scenario is she either accidentally got in the wrong seat, which honestly, you would think that wouldn't happen. I've seen it so many times, so oh, many times. The person sitting, right? Because they're not paying attention to the actual number. And see, they're well, flustered sometimes, you know? Yes. Well, I have. I hate to tell you, Daria, but I've been uh, guilty of that by accident myself. I'll be in the right seat in the wrong row because sometimes right. I, it, the row number is not right above the row. So now I ask, is this row 12 or whatever? Because I will accidentally sit in the wrong row. And it's not, I'm trying to pay attention, but I think I'm so worried about whether or not I don't want to get in somebody else's seat that I accidentally do. Right. So, you know, that lady, she may got upset because maybe she felt embarrassed that she was in the wrong seat. Yeah, or, that's what said too. You know, and people lash out when they feel embarrassed. So they're like, oh, I, everybody's, everybody thinks everybody's looking at each other. And right. that they're like, 
yeah, I'm sure there's people in their mind maybe thinking, oh, you know, oh, look at her. She's on the wrong. You know, people think they think whatever they want to think. But it's really, I think, having good impulse control. It's something that I try to teach my daughter quite a bit because, you know, kids, they, they're terrible at that. They're really bad at that. You know, when they're little, they throw these big tantrums and it's like, wow, this is crazy. And then as they get older, it's like, OK, listen, here's here's a behavior. Here's what could happen. Here's how to control yourself if this happens, you know, type of thing. Right. But some adults are never exposed to that. So they become large children when faced with something that is super emotional. And so their impulse control is shot. And so then you're like, that's a grown person. How could they? not deal with that appropriately. Well, not everybody gets that training growing up, you know. Right. Or they get stuck in a certain time frame in their, you know, in their maturity. That happens. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What, tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, I don't think I've thought about that so much. Well, sometimes I, I notice um, like old, uh, somebody my age might have a mentality of somebody in middle school. Hmm. And it's like they haven't outgrown the middle school mentality, probably because something happened to them at that time. And maybe, you know, these are, there's been studies on that. Hmm. Something or something they want to cling to or something in that time period doesn't let them evolve from there. And so they go automatically back to that time frame. Wow. It's, that's fascinating. You, you said that, you know, my wife has worked in a, um, in geriatrics for years or an OB, which is funny, both sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And that's right. And, yeah. And we were talking about like, because where I live is kind of a retirement area. And so there's lots of senior citizens. And I said, you ever notice when people get like a certain age, they become like kookier versions of themselves, like older, like like they've reached past a certain age, become kind of just weirder versions of older versions of themselves, like kookier versions, like just kind of funny, like weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like a magnified, different parts of their personality are magnified. Yeah, and like there's like less inhibition on some level, you know, it's like sometimes I talk to people who, I mean, I love senior citizens, love people, just the wisdom but it's funny, there's also kind of a lack of like, I don't care also. Like, I'm just going to say whatever I want because I'm, I'm, I'm at this age and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just going to say whatever, you know. <laughs> that always cracks me up too. That does. It's, it's just different, you know. But it's, I always feel like you kind of progress into this. Basically, where I was going is like this whole maturity stuck in a kind of this, this amber is that sometimes I think people go backwards they get you said they get stuck i think they get older and sometimes they go backwards into childish behavior even though they clearly not a child you know well i have a therapy dog and we visit retirement homes so i've been doing that for the past six years and some of um my dog is ruby tuesday and some of her friends are starting to have memory issues some of them aren't but when, when you're in a facility where a lot of your decisions are made for you, I think that would be a natural um, trigger to go back to those times where that's where you felt. That's how you felt. Yeah, almost this rebellious um, mm -hmm. attitude. I've, I've seen, yes, I've seen that too. It's just interesting. I think we're all like, as human beings, like, feel like you know we want to be kind we want to have um we want to be nice to people like you know people always talk about there there are a lot of like very challenging things going on in the world today but i also feel like there's a lot of amazing things too it's just like what lens is that being magnified through you know it's it's like we talked about the news like if you're focused on watching you know, a lot of editorial based news, you may not be getting a lot of the wonderful things that are happening in the world. You know, if that's what you choose to expose your ears to and your eyes. But if you're if you're exposing yourself to different other other areas of media that are more positive, then you're probably going to think the world's a little bit more peaceful place. You know. Yeah, I agree. Like, for instance, um, a lot of people get fed up with Facebook and the negativity. Mm -hmm. I, I never had that problem because 
um, like I'll scroll through that stuff and I'll like pictures of newborn babies and graduations and kittens and and the good stuff. So guess what my feed is in Facebook? It's yeah. the good stuff. So if you focus your energy and like the good things, then more of the good things will pop up for you. Well, now it's, you know, a lot of these programs, they have algorithms that feed you based on, they get suggestions or feed you things based off of what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So it's really not even necessarily your own free will of what you're looking at. It's what's the computer feeding, what's the program feeding you as well. True. And so you're, it's just like YouTube and all that stuff. They call it the rabbit hole effect because you, you may look at a video, let's say of dogs, and it just keeps sending you more videos to watch of dogs and then something related to dogs. And all of a sudden you've watched dogs for four hours type of thing, I, you know. And not only that, it's what what are you watching? Are you watching stories of uh, puppies? Are you watching stories of rescues? Are you watching sad stories? Are you yeah. in scary stories? And they will, they, you know, that algorithm will pick that up. So yes. be, um, at first, it'll be a variety of dog things. But if, if you're only choosing the positive ones, then, you know, that's what you'll get. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting, actually. It, it's kind of a discussion related to artificial intelligence and and curating your presence online. So I love these type of discussions because I think it's a good tip off point to the fact that, you know, we, we are creating our own artificial intelligence. We feed a computer or a screen or a phone every single day. And it learns. It's called machine learning. It learns and learns what you like and it anticipates what you're going to search for. And I think taking that back to like children, that's when it becomes a special. I mean, it's, it's, it can be very damning for adults. But think about for children, if they're unsupervised and they're scrolling things that are not good for them, the computer doesn't, the program doesn't care if it's a child. It just programs what is in there. What are they looking at? You know? Yes. So it's, I think it's, there's a lot, there's maybe more pitfalls to things. The access is easier. Like when I was a kid, for me to get in trouble, I had to physically get on my bike. I'd have to go somewhere. Like there was a lot of friction for me to get in trouble. I had to go through a lot of hoops in order to get, find bad things. Yes. You know, like if, if kids wanted to watch, let's say, porno back then, they actually had to buy it or steal it from someplace. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, find or, it friend, or find it from their friends, dads or mothers or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. You had to sneak something, you know, mm -hmm. like now the any habit forming thing is based off the friction of it. If you provide a low friction environment, it's going to be very easy to adapt, adopt that habit. If you provide a high friction environment, it's going to be very difficult for to form whatever habit is based off of that friction for it. Right. And, and then again, this app that, I've, you know, that I created, I'm trying to get kids um, at any age, but younger, the better this, this habit of thinking the positive things, because then mm -hmm. they'll see more positive things. You know, they'll recognize more positivity and hopefully somehow that will make them a little, maybe a little bit happier. I think so. I think I think your app is a very low friction entry point. Like when you down, I was like when I download an app and I was like, okay, how complicated is this? You know, like am I going to jump through a lot of hoops to have to use this app? Your app is so easy to use. It's incredibly easy. There's mm -hmm. it's very low friction. So when you get on there and you see like the three categories, you scroll through, you just press the button. You're like, oh, this is so easy. This is so easy to use. So it makes you want to do it then. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's what, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that, you know, maybe there'll be like how many more acts of kindness can there, will, will there be for somebody just recognizing, oh, I can help a librarian or I can share from my garden. I never thought about sharing from my garden before. Just, you know, that's my goal is just for maybe a little more happiness somewhere. Now, are you feeding more like um, things on there? Are you constantly thinking of more things to upload on well, there for happiness, or how does that work? I this is the version that you downloaded is my second version, 
because a lot of people are giving me some good ideas for things to add, which I will in the future. So what I did in the meantime with this um, 2.0 version is that I added um, do a good deed or, or, or did a good deed for each one. So if you can't, if my app doesn't name exactly what you did, you could at least click on, you know, did a d good deed in that area of school, home or to our planet. Do you have any suggestions? You know, I, I started thinking, though, like, how can people give you suggestions? Like, if I think it'd be kind of a great community building thing. Yeah, they can they can go on my website, wendygilhula.com, and subscribe. And then you can also email me from there. And, and um, if there's something that you would like to see added to the app, um, I'll see if I can make it happen and put the 3.0 version. That's amazing. And what a what a great thing to actually get involved in because it's just your ideas, it's your thoughts and feelings of what is kindness, and to say, hey, I contributed to this app, you know, on there I contributed this, you know, item for kindness at work or this item for kindness at school, like that's pretty cool. Well, thanks. I'm always open to, um, you know, other people's ideas. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, build this 100% by myself. I did have some beta testers and people, you know, somebody told me, why don't you have the, uh, the good deed, you know, in case there's something that, that somebody did that isn't listed. So that was actually somebody else's idea Interesting. that I incorporated. What's the future of the app and Pika Bunny? Well, um, a lot of people are asking for a Pika Bunny game where Pika Bunny in the game does acts of kindness and, and gets points and ha um, some sort of game. There's also um, interest in a card game for kindness. Mm -hmm. So I am just sent out my first manuscript for my first chapter book for ages six to eight. Mm -hmm. So I'm, uh, I've done all this without a literary agent. So I am um, looking for an agent actively with queries. I'm looking for um, a publisher for my new series. I have two screenplays for Pika Bunny that are looking for homes. So I've always got something to add and I'm always looking for insights from um, other people that are all about kindness. That's really awesome. Well, Wendy, I love talking about this type of stuff. And when I saw you on Spot a Guest and kind of this was your mission and what you're working on, I said, this is right up my alley. This is what I like to talk about, among many things I like to talk about. But I think it's a central tenet to who I am as a person. And I like to surround myself with people who believe in kindness and caring and love on a regular basis, you know. Yeah, well, when we had our discovery call, I kind of wish that you had recorded that. That was good. <laughs> there were some really good points on the discovery call. I thought, oh, well, I think other people would like to hear that from you. And I've been very blessed that um, you allowed me to, to talk to you today. Oh, man, pleasure is all mine. And that was, that's a big part of why I have the podcast is like those discovery calls. I was having so many of those every week with people and all these wonderful conversations and gems and nuggets. And I'm like, this has to be recorded. <laughs> so other people hear these amazing things that people are saying in these conversations that we're having with each other. So um, you are another chapter in my book on and how do we improve as human beings and how do we become nicer to each other? How do we take in different information that we may or may not agree with, but we're willing to listen to and be open-minded. So you've just added to that, Wendy. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I hope I've had um, maybe added a drop to your bucket today. And I know that you have added so much to mine. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Wendy, and I will be in touch. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.